and think we're perfect and we don't make mistakes. So we, we are just so good at what we do because our title is manager or whatever that we're, so we, the mistakes just don't happen. Right. And that's the way that this white lady was approaching this, this manager who happened to be an African-American lady, which even, which made me even more proud to be honest with you, because she didn't, she didn't go typical black girl on her and lose it and say, look, I don't, I don't give a fuck who, you know, she, she was really professional. I was, I was proud of her. I really was. And in fact, after I finished my breakfast and I was done doing what I had to do, I went over to her and I, I didn't go over to her, but before I left, I just looked at her and said, Hey, that was a good job in handling that situation. You kept it calm. You, you answered her request, you let her vent, do her thing, and then you politely asked her to leave if she was gonna be, if she was gonna continue to be chaotic and, and act this way. Because that's, that's exactly what you did. That's kind of the way it ended. She asked her to leave in a very polite way. She wasn't an asshole about you. Like, Look, you're getting too hostile with what you're saying, your conversation this, and we're trying to keep a warm, friendly environment here at this Dunkin' Donuts. It's early in the morning. People don't need to be hearing all your fucking fussing and shit like that. She didn't, she didn't say fucking fussing. I added the fucking fussing, but she said it in a very calm manner. And, and, and it brought me back to so many lessons in management that I've had over my life. And I want to share with you guys just a few of them, because if I was, again, if I was to listen to me, listen to me, teammates, <laughs> And this is more so for my new listeners. I've had a lot of jobs. I've worked for a ton of managers. If you don't believe me, just go right to the show and just hit play. And I will tell you about some real assholes that I've worked with, some real great people that I've had the opportunity to work with. I've done it. That, in addition to that, played football for three, two different college football programs, played for some legendary, played for a legendary youth football program and a, a legendary high school coach. All right. So I've had, had, I've had a ton of lessons in management. My sister's had a job since she was 14 years old and she's been, she's five years older than me. And she's been in the working world since she was 14. No, actually, no, she, she's been in the working world since she was 13. That means I was eight years old when it was like the man, you know, she became kind of that manager she became a working woman at 13 which made me eight years old and that was only a year after I started playing football so again I, I don't want to bore you with all the, the the all of the lessons I have in management I'm just going to give you a few the the one that comes to mind especially after watching what happened in the Dunkin Donuts was when I was at Washington Sports Club and this is a gym that's no longer in existence that the gym has closed down went bankrupt I don't know the reason why I know it was very heartbreaking. In fact, what's funny is I found out that the Washington Sports Club that I used to work for in South Bethesda, I found out that they went bankrupt right here on this show. It was it was my boy Omar. Shout out to Omar. We were having a, a dialogue, just like a, a very organic conversation, like the one we're having now. And Omar says, "Yeah, man, Washington Sports Club is out of business." And if you if you go back and listen to that episode you would kind of feel my reaction like, oh, shit, that's crazy. That's fucking crazy, man. But anyway, when I first started working there, I was a front desk associate, and I had a manager named Mark Mitchell. And I would, you know, me and Mark, I wasn't necessarily eligible to get the job, but he pushed me through because he really needed some people. And Mark and I would have some great, great conversation. In fact, he, he was one of the guys that was responsible for really turning the club around. It's a great location, all that jazz. And the first thing he told me about management, because this is a gym, this is South Bethesda, this is a place in which the great, some of the greatest entrepreneurs, some of the richest people in the world, the richest people in the world walk in and out of this Washington Sports Club, live in that particular area of Maryland. 
So there's a ton of complaints. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you straight up. There was a ton of complaints that I had to deal with. There's a ton of complaints. He had to deal with all this shit. So they had a time when we were at work and Mark was, you know, Mark had dealt with a situation that day, an angry, uh, angry, uh, an angry member, an angry member at the club. And he was talking to me about how we handled the situation. I guess, you know, he and I, again, we, he was like a mentor to me. I was 19 years old when I first took that job, a year removed from high school. And I was just really brand new to the real world, really wet behind the ears type of a guy. And, and Mark said to me something about the, the complaint that he dealt with, much like the lady at Dunkin' Donuts. He goes, you know what I did when she started complaining? I just said, I'm sorry. It's my fault. And I said in a very calm tone, sorry, won't happen again. How can we help you now? Just that line in itself. It wasn't a lot of words. Did you see? Again, this is, this is for all my managers out there, all my people that are, are delegating responsibility and have to deal with complaints. A lot of those kinds of folks that are really needing, needing something to give you, get you through the next day. He calmly just said, all right, it's my fault. How can we move forward? Boom! Just like that. Just like that. And, and teammates, it's so important that we take that and apply that to our regular day-to-day -day lives and how we live our lives. Because when we do that, we have such incredible dialogue with people. We have incredible conversations with people when we're just able to relax, calm it down, and understand, understand everyone has a perspective. You don't know what's going on in a person's life. Just calm it down and then have the discussion. That's it. You don't got to get fired up when you're dealing with people. We're talking about developing people skills. That's one example. Here was an example of it done, of it, be, of it being done, not the correct way. All right. There's, there were two people that I got really close to when I worked at this Washington sports club. One, well, actually not just two people. We're talking about two people, maybe three or so. There, I was mentored by a lot of different people. But the other manager, uh, Mark at the time, Mark was the, the general manager. And then he had an assistant named Chris. And Chris encountered a similar situation. Prising out a similar situation in which a member was really, really upset. I'm talking about he was fired up, and I witnessed this one. And, and I, let me just give you the situation so you guys kind of have some backstory. It was late at night. It must have been about, uh, yes, it was between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. And here was the rule. The rule was from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., you are not allowed to be, you're not allowed to come to a club that's not your home location. All right, so if you're a member of Washington Sports Club, that is in Columbia Heights. You're not allowed to use the one in South Bethesda during what they called peak hours. Peak hours were from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. or something like that. So one of the members from another location tried to use our gym in South Bethesda, and he was told by our membership consultant, the membership consultant at the time, her name was Valerie, and she said, no, you can't work out here at this time. And the guy fucking lost it. He goes, this is bullshit. I mean, just absolutely was losing it. Chris happened to be the only manager there at the time. I think the general manager at this time, Mark had left, and the general manager was a guy named Dale. Dale was kind of dealing with something else, and he kind of caught the back end of it. But Chris was there initially, and Chris kind of fired back at him. He didn't go at it in a, in a in, like he didn't really rip him the way he normally does, but you can tell he wasn't Mark. You can tell he didn't calm the situation down. You can you could tell that there's a reason he was the assistant and Mark and Dale were the general managers because Chris started to get fired up and he, he started to feed into the energy the same way. You, the same thing you don't want to do when you're looking to be in management, when you're quote, end quote, management material. When you're management material, 
you have got to calm the situation down before it gets out of control, before this guy loses it, because you see he's coming in with that kind of energy. You say, no, no, I'm going to defuse the bomb. It's like it's almost like using the analogy of a grenade before a bomb goes off. Try to click the ticket, try to cut the wire off before it goes haywire. All right. And again, guys, these are not guys, but teammates. These are lessons that I have picked up over and over again to the point where I, I've become such a natural as a manager. And I'll close with this example. When I, this was again about three years after that time, when I was 21, I got my first job after college. I was a scout for a company named National Scouting Report. And I got my first client. His name was Malik Dorsey. And Malik Dorsey's family was heavily involved in the recruiting, but at least at the beginning, they were heavily involved with it because they paid, they paid me a great deal of money to help their son, to, to the, help their son get the best advice, get the best counsel, make the best decision when it came to which school he should pick. So they had a time. Now, NSR, what they have is they have someone who does all the highlight tapes. And for those of you who aren't familiar with what a highlight tape is, a highlight tape is what high school kids, not just high school, but any football player who any athlete that's looking to go to the next level is going to put together a highlight tape so the coaches at the next level can see them at their best. They had a time now when it was time to make Malik's highlight tape. I had them fill out the form. Malik, you know, put all the plays in which he wanted on the highlight tape. He made sure all the plays were on there. And I sent it out to the to NSR's office in Alabama. Once Malik's family got that tape, she called me. And the first word out of his mouth, his mother called me. Malik's mother's called me. So the first word out of her mouth was very disappointed. Very disappointed because he's not highlighted on the, on the screen, you know, when you make a highlight tip, you have to highlight the player and things like that. He's not highlighted. I don't see him. I was told how important it was. We just paid you about $3,000. This is ridiculous. She was pissed like she was ready to cuss me out over the phone. And here's how I responded. Teammates, listen, listen. This is very important for you to understand. Very important for you to grasp. I responded by saying, okay, I apologize. Are all of the plays that Malik won, are all of them on the tape? I got to the heart of the matter. You see how I did that? I calmed it down. I said all the plays. And then as soon as she, as soon as I asked that question, she said, yes, the conversation happened. Look, I'm going to get on the phone. And then I said, I'm going to get on the phone with NSR right now and make sure he's highlighted on all the plays. Boom. And then she called, they did it. She called me back and about two days later when it got done and was completely happy, was completely satisfied with everything. And why did that happen? Because I didn't react to that, that initial anger she had, and I got to the heart of the matter to make sure what's important is that all of his plays are on there that he wanted, and then all of the other things. So really listening to people and understanding how, what exactly are people are asking for when they're kind of emotional is incredibly important when you're talking about management material. Please do yourselves a favor, rewind this episode. Go back. Think about the lady at Dunkin' Donuts. Think about how it feels to be Chris and Mark and dealing with angry members. Think about how it felt for me to, to be working virtually, like by, basically by myself for this company. I finally get a client and then that client is upset because of something I couldn't even control. Think about all those little things, all the things that we really need in this world, the people skills that you need. And you, even if you're not a quote unquote manager at your job, 
you still have to manage a household. You still have to manage your finances in some kind of way. Everyone, in my opinion, has to have some experience when it comes to management. It's like I tell you all the time with my Move Swiftly seminars, the well-informed team, the, the group of people who are well-informed is something we should always be striving to be. You should always be looking to create and get information, be around information, gather the information so you can make the best possible decisions. That's what's important. So think about all those little things and apply it to your day-to-day life. And man, um, my, my prayer, my hope for this episode is that you're able to manage your situation better. Whatever that situation may be, make sure you're managing it better. I'm just giving you a little gem, giving you the little things that you need to enable you to manage your situation better. All right? Fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon. Yeah, no more. I need- 